When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Whether you're thinking of divorcing your narcissistic spouse right in the middle of it or have finalized your divorce, the tactics are the same. If this sounds like you, you need to know about Christine Hammond's new masterclass series, How to Survive a Divorce with a Narcissist. In this four-hour video series, Christine Hammond introduces the toxic tactics that narcissists use to abuse, humiliate, and manipulate you, and teaches you exactly how to recognize these tactics and navigate through them with mastery and confidence. How to Survive a Divorce with a Narcissist is a deep dive, a masterclass that'll show you how narcissists use tactics like bait and switch, scare tactics, roller coaster ride, and child's play. It's How to Survive a Divorce with a Narcissist, a four-hour recorded video masterclass with Christine Hammond. For more information or to purchase today, just go to growwithchristine.com forward slash narcissism. That's growwithchristine.com forward slash narcissism. This masterclass will change your life. Again, that's growwithchristine.com forward slash narcissism. This is Understanding Today's Narcissist, brought to you in part by PsychCentral.com. And now, here's your host, Christine Hammond. Hi, and welcome back. So today, we're going to be talking about not arguing with your narcissist. Rather, let's follow these nine rules of engagement. I can't count the number of times I've had someone come to me and ask, how do I confront my narcissistic spouse, boss, child, friend in a way that allows me to feel like I am being heard and can reduce conflict instead of escalating it. So we're going to talk about what I call the nine rules of engagement. And I'm intentionally using the word engagement instead of argument, because I want you to think of this from a positive standpoint. Most of the time when we're talking about having a disagreement with someone, we're looking at it as if it's an argument. And instead, I want you to look at it as if we can have a positive outcome by engaging with someone, even if it is a very difficult conversation. What it takes and what it requires is some level of strategy. So we're going to talk about those nine different areas. And I want to give you an example of just a married couple and what this looks like so that we can kind of talk about the difference in how to approach one another. 
So if you have a married couple, you're going to say your spouse is narcissistic and, and you're trying to figure out how best to confront them. Let's just say that we're talking about something regarding the house. Something needs to be done in the house. And in the past, every time you have brought up getting something done in the house, your narcissistic spouse goes off, blames you. Uh, it deteriorates really rapidly. And then that task never gets done or never gets completed. For a variety of reasons, that could be hugely problematic. So so we're going to talk how do you actually confront them in a manner in which gets a much more positive result. So nine steps, starting with step number one, time the engagement. The idea behind timing the engagement is that there is a time and place for everything, including when and where to actually discuss a problem. My experience, narcissists have this down to a science where they often pick the worst times in order to engage with you. Maybe they wake you up in the middle of the night, um, interrupting your sleep, or they call you at work. And so they pick very difficult times for engagement because they know that they're going to have the upper hand during that time period. Rather, I want you to think of this not as a tit-for-tat thing. In other words, you're not going to wake them up in the middle of the night or interrupt them at work. You're going to find what I call a neutral environment to do your discussion. So that neutral environment should not be a bedroom. I don't like bedrooms for this type of discussion. I'm talking about like an outdoor patio a study or a restaurant even, um, a park could be another option so that you have a neutral place where it's not your zone or your spouse's zone that you actually decide this is the time that we are going to pick to have this engagement. So pick when and where to discuss the problem. That's number one. Number two, set reasonable boundaries. The most important boundary is an agreement to walk away instead of escalating. I'm going to say that again. The most important boundary you can start with is to walk away instead of escalating. There is absolutely nothing wrong with taking a timeout in the middle of a discussion to keep it from getting heated. The second boundary you need to set is to agree to discuss only one topic at a time. So we're not going to add multiple topics in. We're going to focus on one topic. You can do that by putting the one topic on your phone, for instance, um, in a notes section and just say, okay, this is the topic that we're going to talk about and we're going to talk about it until either we agree, we disagree, or we agree to disagree. So start off by setting reasonable boundaries. And I just gave you two examples of those. Number three, listen with your ears and eyes. Listening to another person is actually an art form. The words a person uses are not nearly as important as the body language or the tone of voice. So any attitude of superiority, resentment, or passivity are all equally damaging and will definitely come across in the manner of speech. To really listen to another person, you have to pay more attention to them than to yourself. 
So when you're really listening, you are listening to everything about them. You're listening to what you see in them. You're listening to what they say, and you're listening to how they say it. And it's important that you do that because that's valuable information that you gain during your conversation. That was number three, listen with ears and eyes. Number four, understand first. By seeking to understand the other person first, then you are showing like love and concern for them, even if they're narcissistic. Now, instead of trying to get your point across first, make sure you understand their point first. That is going to be so easy because your narcissistic spouse is going to love to be able to tell you what they think first, right? But that gives you an understanding of where they're coming from. Now, ideally, we want this to be mirrored, meaning that they would then reciprocate and listen to your point of view afterwards. Sometimes that doesn't always happen, but the way that you can help that to happen is say, here's what I heard you say. Can I tell you what I think now? So there's like this very distinct and clear line that you're drawing. So number four is understand first. Number five is share honestly and openly. So when the previous four steps that we just talked about are done well, the flow of the conversation is very relaxed and there's no initial like disagreement at that point. So that allows the conversation to naturally come to what I call the turning point. So when you start to get to the turning point, here's where it's so important that you assume the best intention. So if you assume the best intention that the narcissist, your narcissistic spouse has the best intention and that you therefore also have the best intention, then that will help the conversation go forward. Understand that it's not always a given that your narcissistic spouse is going to believe you to have the best intentions. So you probably will have to say, my intention is that we get along, that we come up with this agreement on the house, that we're able to like do this without having a disagreement, that we're able to really hear each other and respect each other. Like you're probably going to have to say that several times in order to alleviate some of the tension because number five is where it turns. Number five was sharing honestly and openly. Number six, brainstorm options. So the best of your solutions often come from discussion, lots of discussion. And sometimes that discussion is more than once. In other words, there are a lot of times for which you might have to stop at level five and say, you know what? We've shared openly and honestly, we're about ready to deteriorate. Let's table all of this, brainstorm options on our own, and then come back and finish the discussion. So you might have to do that because sometimes that works out the best way. If you have a chance to brainstorm together, it really helps if you write down the options because then you're allowed to actually see what the options are in front of you and and you'll be able to come up with more creative solutions going forward. So number six is brainstorm solutions. Number seven, 
collaborate and negotiate. So the idea when you're collaborating and negotiating is that you have to empathize with the other person. And it's important to let go of inconsequential things. You have to ask for forgiveness when needed. You have to emote without overreacting. And patience is probably the most important in this step. Again, like don't be afraid, like even after you've brainstormed options during the collaborate and negotiate, that if things get heated, agree to stop here and take a break. Give each other a timeout. Give each other some space to think about it, to try to come up with creative solutions. This is the most creative step in the process. And it doesn't always happen right away. Sometimes it requires overnight in order for this stage to actually work. So number seven is collaborate and negotiate. Number eight is agree to an ending. Remember there are three possible ends to an engagement. There's agree, disagree, and agree to disagree. So when you find that you are disagreeing, then that's time to just stop it. And then maybe you don't engage for another 24 hours again. When you agree to disagree, then that means that the matter doesn't really need to be discussed any further. And when you agree, of course, you don't need to discuss it any longer. So the only issues we're really addressing are those that we disagree on and we're readdressing them back 24 hours later. And where you go back to is you go back to the brainstorming solutions. Sometimes you might have to go back to step five, sharing openly and honestly again, and working your way back through the process. The last step in all of this is number nine, which is to evaluate the process. So at the end of all of this, I want you to evaluate your steps and ask what worked, what didn't work, how can it be improved? Do we need a mediator? And if you do this each time, then you'll really have a good feel for how to fine tune the process so the the engagements can go a lot better. If you need more help going through all of this, one of the suggestions I have for you is to look at better help. BetterHelp is a great place where you can find a licensed professional therapist that can guide you through conflict resolution and other issues that you may be having in your relationship. You can connect in a safe and private online environment that's so much more convenient than going into a therapist office. Better yet, you can actually start it in only 48 hours Now, this is not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional counseling that's done securely online. You can send your message to a counselor at any time, and you will get some timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule your sessions easily over the phone or over the internet. BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches. So if you don't like the counselor you started off with, you're, you're able to change to a better one. It's very affordable and financial aid is even available for you. 
So I bring this up to you. They are a sponsor of this program, and I highly recommend looking at and getting a licensed professional counselor whenever you're trying to deal with a very difficult relationship. But there are other reasons to get a good counselor. Um, If you're suffering from depression, stress, anxiety, anger, family conflicts, sleep, or trauma, those are great times to seek out help. Again, I highly recommend looking at BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash U-T-N. And if you want to get started as a listener, you'll actually get 10% off your very first month by visiting our sponsor. Over a million people have taken charge of their mental health. And again, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash U-T-N. So going back and reviewing our nine different steps again for you, let me remind you what they are. Please time your engagement. Set reasonable boundaries. Listen with your ears and eyes. Understand first. Share honestly and openly. Brainstorm solutions. Collaborate and negotiate, agree to an ending, and evaluate the process. So resolving conflicts will actually strengthen your relationship, even if you're in a relationship with a narcissist, and it will bind you closer together with the other person. Plus, it will eliminate some of the more difficult and frustrating conflicts that you probably have had over the years. I know that this sounds like a very time-consuming process in the beginning, and it really is, but in the end, it is well worth the investment. Thanks for listening to Understanding Today's Narcissist with Christine Hammond. Brought to you in part by PsychCentral.com. For more information, visit GrowWithChristine.com. Produced by Autovita Studios. Connect your voice to the world. Produced by Autovita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.